Hi, you're listening to Mixed Congeniality on Radio Fodder. This episode was recorded on the stolen land of the Wurundjeri people. This podcast was also recorded on the lands of the Wadjuk Noongar people. We would like to pay our respects to the Elders past, present and emerging and acknowledge that this land always was and always will be Aboriginal land. That's my whole summary is there is a reason why Phoebe Bridges is the perfect feature. John Reds. is a love letter to our younger selves who pretended not to know what Wattpad was and watch Fast and Furious on a first date. We deep dive into topics that have been thrown in the chiclet bin. We dust them off, polish them up, and go on ADHD tangents while we're at it. Oh, hi. Oh, hey, besties. What's up? Oh, you know, just another week hitting it in lockdown times. Ayo. That's nice. (laughs) (laughs) my door is distracting me i'm just gonna like close it properly lockdown is the it's close to ending isn't it from my knowledge i fucking hope so um like i have been trying not to get my hopes up too much yeah but the you know we're slowly crawling towards our vaccine targets yes that's good be back at the pub in no time yeah you can that's the like (laughs) Would be the quite frustrating thing about, like, the compulsory six-week wait unless someone from the vaccines, like, books it. Um, sorry, I'm just, like, moving everything over. I'm trying to, like, multitask while also, like, getting a blanket because I really want a blanket. Okay. Um, because, like, if you wait the six weeks, yes, it's more effective, but it means, like, it takes ages in between the 70%, like, first yeah, it's dose. it's like the, the targets are crawling very, very slowly. Yeah. And then you see Sydney going back today, which, you know, for better or for worse, probably shouldn't. I think in my mind, they're still doing worse than us, even though they're getting like half the daily COVID numbers that we are. Yeah. Um, But they also have Dominic, what's his name? Paratet? The rat. Yeah, the rat boy. The rat boy. (laughs) So, you know, maybe they are doing worse. Also, Wallace is very much... Um, a member of the podcast today. He's he's hanging out right by my laptop. Oh, hey, Wallace. Um, so we might get a little meow from him at some point. I'm very excited. I hope he's ready to be educated. Um. Are you ready to learn about Taylor Swift, Wallace? He he looked at me um, with with like a look of despair and anger. So well, um, that is wrong. That's unless kind of, that's kind of just his face. Okay, as long as he's reflecting on like the emotional masterpiece. That is the exact yeah. Taylor Swift topic we're talking about today. Um, but anyway, Incredible. any interesting daydreams this week? Um, I've had a couple of interesting ones. I watched all of Ted Lasso in like a day this <gasps> week. I need I actually, to watch that. I actually do strongly recommend it as a show. Yeah. Um, it's like very wholesome. Mm-hmm. It's very um, men with feelings. Oh, I do. That is one of my favorite genres. I will yeah, say. Yeah, I love. It's like men have to do the bare minimum, like self reflection, and I'm like, fuck me. Yeah. Warms, warms my little heart. They just like um, learn how to cry, and I'm just like, yeah, you do. And I don't know what it yeah. is about, like, especially masculine men, like stereotypically, like in the like the hetero like patriarchy, like obsession of like the masculine men when they like learn to feel things I'm just like yeah you do <laughs> you, yeah, do. you do um and there's this one guy called Roy Kent who's like very kind of gruff and angry all the time and he reads a wrinkle in time in the tv oh. show and I'm like oh I didn't I didn't realize but that I just want to I feel like I don't have a lot of patience for men, so I've never really befriended a gruff man in my life <laughs> because I just, you know, I am in the habit of assuming the worst. Yeah, I get that. I too get the ick whenever, like, a man speaks, so... <laughs> yeah, look, um, and so, but my weird daydream for this week has been just, like, me being friends with a very gruff but very warm-hearted man. Any gruff but warm-hearted men wanting <laughs> to be friends to with Harvey? podcast <laughs> that it's exclusively about 
<laughs> feminine trash. <laughs> I don't know if this is the platform. Probably not. I don't but know. But if you're what... a gruff but warm-hearted man and our little podcast is your guilty pleasure, come forward. Um, I, I was about I, to say... We could read A Wrinkle in Time together. I was about to say, maybe ask someone who went to an AFL grand final, but then I realised my AFL grand final viewing party was literally all gay people. Like, there yeah. wasn't one straight person there. I so also, maybe that wasn't the right I time. I also, like, don't want to have to adopt any masculine hobbies for a significant other. But I feel like it's fine if it's just a friend. Yeah. Like, my sister got into Aussie rules because of her boyfriend. And every time she talks to me about it, it just sounds like the worst thing in the world. Yeah. I like I can't imagine pretending to like Aussie rules for the sake of a man. I mean, I grew up in like the stereotypical Aussie like household in terms of like I know all the footy teams, specifically the WA based and Waffle, which is our like Western <laughs> Australian football league. It's called Waffle. So like I feel like I could. It would just be my childhood redone. Um yeah. No, I I mean like more power to you and also like I don't know, whatever. I just, like, I don't think I could make myself care. Yeah. I am the first person where, like, I saw, like, there were men in my gender and contemporary culture class, (laughs) and I just went, ew, like, why are you here? Are you trying to, like, hit on feminist women without realising that maybe they just generally want to learn and are interested in the topics No, like, literally, I I met my ex-boyfriend in a gender studies tutor, so, you know, (laughs) my legs to stand on. Yeah, I just assumed that whenever he speaks, I'm just like, oh, so he's going to mansplain gender. And then it turns out it's like a really nuanced, like, accurate su- suggestion. And you're and like, then, okay, yeah, whatever. Fuck me. off. <laughs> and then another girl in the truth literally just be like, I'm just waiting. For, like, I feel so bad he's trying. Like, and I was talking to mum about this. I'm like, maybe mum would understand. She hates men too. And she was like, Chelsea, this man is trying. And I'm just like, oh, right. Maybe yeah, I am the toxic some of one. Them, some of them are just doing their damn best. Yeah, um, maybe. But like, what the hell? Seems um, us. <laughs> yeah. Chelsea, what have you been maladaptive daydreaming about? Um, oh, I actually had a really good... Okay, so you know um, the YouTuber Damon Dominique? I do, yes. Yes, as you should. I adore him. I think him and Count Connor French are actually the only... Oh, and Curtis Connor. The only men I watch on YouTube. Um, but anyway, he just released his pilot for his travel series. Well, yeah. he like made one and he's looking for producers. And it was so good. Yeah, I watched it. It Like, men went for it. It was so, like, I just, like, admired it, like, from an editing perspective. It was also entertaining, like, as a personality. And then also, even if he was the most boring person ever, just how he edited it and shot it was just, like, technically, like, beautiful and, like, above what most... I don't watch travel shows. But anyway, it just made me being, like, fuck it. I don't care that I have no savings whatsoever. I... Give me... One bad thing goes wrong. I am moving there and I'm never coming back. There is just anywhere, not Australia. But... Yeah. Yeah. That was, it was a beautiful video. I really do hope some company picks him up or whatever. I don't know. Um, but I totally, I've been having a bit of a, a wanderlust period recently. Yeah. Um, uh, which I, yeah, no, I, I, I hate that word. It's very like millennial, put it on a t-shirt. But I have been thinking a lot about travel and I think it's just, I was actually, I was having a conversation with my friend recently. I might have already told you about this, so stop me if I have. But I was like, man, I'm really craving, like, a lunch at a fancy restaurant. And she's like, mm, I just want to feel a semblance of inner peace, you know? Um, literally, which was a, bit, a bit rude. Literally um, me. Literally. Um, because, like, honestly, that's all any of this is, isn't it? Just wanting... Wanting to feel peace in the world. I was like, because I did have a bit of a, I have been thinking (laughs) a bit too much. Um, And like researching for this topic about something that I feel so emotionally attached to did kind of like wreck me emotionally. But like, I think it's the idea of the fact that I'm back home and like, again, with the same group of people from like last year and just like being like things and no one's changed. Like, and I love that for them. And this all the same, but I also, I'm just like, I feel stuck and I also yeah. feel unsettled. And I think it's just trying to find a sense of peace. Um, so your roommate like, called you out there, but that's okay. Oh, no, this is my roommate, but yeah. Um, oh. But I feel like it is like 
I think in Australia at the moment, regardless of whether or not you're in lockdown, it it's like a very like regressive time. Mm. You know, like I think either, and I don't mean like regardless of whether or not you're in lockdown. I mean like if you're like living in a city that is in lockdown, regardless of whether or not you're currently in that city. Yeah. I think it feels a bit like a regression, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. Like, I definitely feel like I've regressed back to, like, last year emotionally. Um, and then I feel like if you leave, like, obviously you get the trade-off of, like, a lot more freedoms and, like, being able to do stuff, but also being kind of, like, usually for people our age especially, it's people who are moving back in with their parents and, like, hanging out with their friends from, like, high school and stuff like that, which I think is regressive in a different way. Yeah. Mm. I love regressing, even if it's in a different... Yeah. Yeah, so that's just where I'm at. And I'm just, like, dreaming about, like, where do I actually find growth, um, I think. And I was after watching Damon Dominique's video. Yeah. Also, yeah. can I send you a photo of what Wallace is currently doing? Yes, yeah, send me a photo of what Wallace is currently doing. Oh, also, I got a new phone, finally, which I think I did update you, but not, like, the podcast, so it's very exciting, but it means I'm, like, slowly, like, having to do all the menial tasks of, like, executive functioning to transfer over that I relied so heavily on my last phone, mm. so it's also, like, been so distracted trying to do that. That's okay. What what new <gasps> phone have you gotten? Oh, it's only an iPhone X, because I am poor, but, like, it's refurbished, <laughs> so I'm, like, I'm an environmental goddess. Oh, look at Willis! He's so... Can If I call him a fat king, is that, like... He is a fat king. He is a fat king. He oh. was so skinny when we got him, and now he's just the chubbiest <laughs> cat in the world. You just treat him with such love. I do treat him with such love. He gets also so grumpy if we don't feed him a lot, and I just, like, can't be bothered to keep him skinny. And yeah. also, I don't care. I love him being a fat king. Yeah. I love him so much. Oh. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> what have you been cooking this week? Tell me everything. Um, I made pretzels. Pretzels. From scratch. Like the big, like the proper like ones? Proper like the yeah. Oh, stop. Yeah. That was the main event. I realise it's gotten to the point where now I'll get to the weekend and realise I haven't made anything particularly impressive. And then I'll like plan mm-hmm. something. For the, for the podcast. For the podcast. For the radio photo show. But that's show. okay. It keeps me accountable. Um, it, yeah. I also, you're welcome. I did... The, this thing that I do like maybe twice a year as like a little treat for myself, which is where I go and I buy all of my vegetables from the farmer's markets. Mm-hmm. And it costs just so much fucking money. <laughs> yeah. Like, Jesus Christ. I understand. I understand why it's that expensive. Mm-hmm. But it, it's just, it's hard. But it's a, it's a great feeling. I feel very... Um, you know, aesthetic. Like a market bitch. I feel like, like a market bitch. That is the big thing I miss because I could do this even in lockdown because I was quite lucky to live right next to Vic Markets, which is, you know, nationally recognised as one of the main markets. Yeah, it's a great <laughs> market. And I would be there, buy my little baguette, I would dress up in my market outfit <laughs> and I like I would buy a baguette just for the aesthetic. I mean, I'd eat it, obviously, and I'd you you know I'd actually happen it and I have like dips with it and I'd snack on it so it was good but like you know I do miss that quite a bit yeah and I like I felt a bit like Emily Marico but like <gasps> not at all because she's the neatest person I've ever witnessed and it's actually kind of confronting speaking um, of like she, Emily Marico oh my god so. she got engaged I know very exciting oh um, no but yes <laughs> oh, that's not what we're talking about but um congrats Emily Marico for getting engaged um if you're listening bestie you yeah, hit me up but I like came home and I like sliced up my loaf of bread and put it in the freezer and then I like put my herbs in some water so they'd stay fresh and I like prepped out my meals for the week based on the ingredients I bought and I felt incredible I felt like so sexy and on top of myself and then this morning I like just made myself some like bruschetta for breakfast and I felt very fancy about that Ooh! but yeah tell me your Emily Marico tidbit Oh, I made a, a vegan version of the um, rice salmon bowl. Oh my god, what did you use instead of salmon? Uh, tofu. Like I, but I made it with teriyaki and like sesame Cute. oil. Cute. 
to like get that like sort of flavor really good i loved it i'm obsessed I, okay it wasn't vegan because i used normal mayonnaise but like it was vegetarian yeah. and it was had that replacement Close yeah enough. yeah anyway that was like i feel i ne- can never contribute to the cooking conversations i just wanted to contribute no that's incredible <laughs> i haven't i haven't so made much. it yet because of the salmon situation um yes. but I, I might make the vegan or vegetarian version or I might just cop it and make it with salmon if we're being honest. For those of you, I mean, most people, I feel like, thankfully, do not follow me on all my various social media accounts. Um, that is a bit too much. But I've got to become obsessed with, like, saying literally. Literally. But, like, it's, it's a typing lot, it. <laughs> yeah, I don't care. Typing it in a specific way. And me being the influencer I am. Oh, it's Sunny's brain. Um, I've got to know my friends like from Perth because no everyone in Melbourne is telling me to shut the fuck up but I've been yeah, all my friends in Perth self-respecting bunch <laughs> no have, <laughs> literally. Have, have, have started using it and spelling it that way um so once I'm back because I'm currently logged off of the mixed congeniality Instagram probably for a good reason <laughs> um, I will bring it in um and all my Sydney and Melbourne pals can shut up um when I <laughs> oh my god I'm so fearful for the day that you inevitably become an influencer. <laughs> I, I don't think I, I'm going to be honest. I don't have the like emotional capacity. I tried to create a meme account and literally after two days, I like broke down and I said, no, these are too many people. I don't know. I, judging me or my Yeah. Humor. It's a lot of like being perceived, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, I'm fine with like my main Instagram because like I can like control it's so heavily, I guess. Um, but also my priv, because that's, like, my friends, but that's about yeah, it. Yeah, every time I try and set up a secondary Instagram account, I just get very, very stressed, and it lasts for, like, max six months. Um, Chelsea, what are we talking about today? Oh, my God. So, as you guys know, I'm a big fan of the really niche indie artist, Miss Taylor Allison Swift. Sorry. Tay-Tay. Sorry, um, I don't know if I've heard of them. Yeah, you wouldn't because only like they're really, really underground, underground people. Yeah. Okay, I'll I'll stop with this bit now. I- but <laughs> <laughs> tell me about Taylor Swift, otherwise known as like also known as Blondie. Um, specifically about Taylor Swift is her album Red, and that's what I want to talk about because it's on theme with the whole like stuff we loved when we were younger and brings us nostalgia Incredible. and isn't taken seriously. Um, also timely because in a month and one day, by the time of this is released, actually, a month she will release Taylor's um, version of Red. So this is extremely timely. I actually did I'm, not realize it would happen then. I'm um, so this excited. Is just, for her to I am so excited. I and I'm, I'm, I like don't even have that much nostalgia about Red. So I can't imagine how you were feeling. Oh, I I am I am like you you will learn you will know. Okay. Good um, to hear. Yeah. So for all of you guys who don't know, um, Taylor Swift doesn't, and wondering why she's always re-recording and why, like, for those of you who follow me, like, why I'm posting about Taylor's version every five seconds, um, <laughs> basically, um, she doesn't own any rights to her music. Taylor Swift was kind of like, she was 15 when she was founded by Big Red Machine Company, which is the one that she was, the label that she was originally paired with. This isn't off of my notes. This is just off my knowledge <laughs> by um, Scott Bruschetta who basically made her sign away all of her like ownership over the original lyrics. Um, she was young. She didn't realize how big she'd actually get. Um, and so she signed on because the music industry takes advantage of teen girls and kind of keeps them stuck to their labels for like years and years and years. And we do see this quite a bit. Um, yeah. Anyway, Scott Bruschetta sold all of her masters and her works to Scooter Braun, who's a manager he famously manages Ariana Grande, or infamously manages Ariana Grande because there's a lot of controversy about that, and um, Justin Bieber. He is, like, allegedly, I mean, I doubt I'm going to get sued, sued by Scooter Braun, <laughs> but he is allegedly a very bad person and treats women artists quite badly. Um, there's a famous story about ghosting, which is the Ariana Grande song about Mac Miller, um, where she refused to put it in the album because it was causing her so much emotional distress and he, like, pressured her, allegedly, Jesus. into putting it on there. She, like, fired him and then, like, allegedly there were rumours he was going to um, post a lot of stuff about her and so she fired him. Um, so she hired him again, mm, um, sort of situation. Our favourite so, way to maintain a working relationship with someone, blackmail. Li- 
literally. Um, but yeah, there's like, there's a common stance between Ariana Grande fans and Taylor Swift fans that he is the worst. Um, basically, he would not give Taylor Swift rights to her music or she had to stay another 10 years at a label that was mis- badly mistreating her and was not doing good things. Um, so she, the only way she can do it is if she re-records everything so she can get ownership. Um, and that's basically why people she's re-recording it. It's also like more so of a say um, for all artists to own their masters um, because a lot of artists, especially female artists, are manipulated to not owning their yeah. works. Bringing awareness. Um, yeah, because that's what, shout out to the, you know, this isn't the first time she's doing it. She's not actually making a lot of money from it as well. Um, like, and also the most recent debacle against the whole thing. If anyone is on Twitter and saw why is like we're here for you, Taylor Trending, um, the evil label decided to delete the Mind music video and bring it back in so they can make money off of it fucked because up. so people will watch it. Um, it's so fucked anyway, yeah, that they're just making money off of her when she like publicly hates them. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's fucked up. Anyway. And they're like, oh, <laughs> so we that's don't why... care. This will make us money yeah. anyway. And it probably did. Yeah. Oh, yeah, it did. It's like now it's still on 2 million views now because it showed up in the algorithm as like, oh, my God, a new Taylor Swift thing. Yeah. So, so like hard. the algorithm. Oh, or- my God, that's so yeah. evil. It's so bad. Um, yeah. I mean, I'm not saying like Taylor Swift is like an angel and everything. Um, I'm not like going to be like, if you don't like her, you must be a misogynist because like, yeah, but this is like just manipulation. Anyway. It's- so that is why she's releasing all of these new albums. Um, the most recent, the first one she did was Fearless, which is a lot of people's favorites who aren't massive Taylor Swift fans, their favorite. But the fan favorite of like the massive Swifties and for the little mentally ill Swifties, the me Swifties, <laughs> is Red. Incredible. <laughs> yes. Um, so I have a little spiel about like Red and making it up. And also hopefully you can get an idea about like why this album means so much to me. Okay. So... As you can tell by the title album Red, it's basically this whole point of this album is to like encapsulate all of like the messy emotions that like result from an unhealthy romance and like flings and just being like 19 to like 20 and everything. Um, and just that growing pains of that experience. Um, which you can kind of hear in all its songs. It's ultimately an album of disappearances, of things that have gone or are just about to go missing. So there's like lost relationships and emphasis on like old sounds like the idea of like a previous Taylor Swift and like fearless and speak now then the idea of trying to transition to the new one which is like the 1989 reputation pop Taylor that like happened later um when it was released there were four songs which peaked into the US Billboard Hot 100 some of these surprised me quite massively um obviously the lead single we are never ever getting back together topped the chart an icon, a bop, if you will, which she literally made to piss off her boyfriend who only liked indie music, which I find quite funny. Which, um, I, I don't know if this is a bad thing to ask, but which mans is this about? That this is compli- This is true. There are two ideas. It's either about to piss off John Mayer or Jake Gyllenhaal. Okay, well, because most either way, good for you. Yeah, most of this album is about Jake Gyllenhaal, but John Mayer was knowingly pretentious about Taylor Swift's music while they were dating. Um, Even though his music, I don't know. It's not. It's not like indie. It's just like a sad white boy playing guitar. Sometimes I meet people who think that John Mayer is like really doing something though, and so I'm a little bit afraid to call his music like easy listening. But it is easy to listen to. It is like I listen to Your Body Is a Wonderland. Easy listening. Yeah. It's like, what's the other one? Jason Mraz? Like, they're the exact, like, it's like early 2000s, like, indie guitar. Yeah. You know? I mean, oh man, some people are going to hate us for that. But. Yeah. Because we. Well, I'm a Swifty. Yeah, it's kind of common knowledge. They're not going to listen to this podcast about Taylor Swift anyway, so. Literally, like, is, listen to Dear John. <laughs> listen to Dear John, and maybe you should not be friends with, like, um, so maybe you shouldn't be fans of John Mayer. It's, it's. Grooming Taylor Swift isn't the only shitty thing he's done. Yes. Anyway, um, I Knew You Were Trouble reached number eight. The song Red reached number two, which I'm quite surprised by how it got, like, so high up the billboards. Yeah. But anyway. It's not like... And... I like it. Oh, sorry. Yes. Yeah. I mean, I like Red. I just, like, it's not my... It's, like, not my top five. Um, and then the song Begin Again reached number six. Weird. 
Oh, wait, sorry. Begin Again reached eight. Okay. I knew you were trouble reached two, red reached six. Sorry, I got what all about messed up. 22? Because that's like. Yeah, 22 did reach I, there. Again, as we know about me, disliked anything that was popular between the years of like 2012 and 2015 because I had a point to prove to who knows who. Uh, but. Patriarchy. Anyway, I yeah, did sorry. know, I did like know 22. Yeah. Oh, it debuted at number 44. I I expected more from our little friend 22, but that's okay. I I did too. I it, I think it's also because it's like like a timeless like pop song. Like I hear, I've heard it in the clubs a few times. Yeah, anyway. and also um, whenever okay. anyone turns 22, it gets bought oh, back. Oh yeah. You know. Oh, watch me. Oh, I oh oh watch me. I yeah. <laughs> I'm not planning a 21st party, but I am planning a 22nd Taylor Swift yeah, party. Well, anyway. <laughs> I think I'm just going to have to have my 21st for my 22nd, so it'll be an extra fun time. You, Taylor. <laughs> anyway, um, okay, so the main, when Red First came out, its main reviews and, like, the way it was, like, heralded, is that the word? Yeah. Um, or, like, revered was based off of its lyricism, as it should, um, because the lyrics are amazing and... Taylor Swift actually took a lot of inspiration from Joni Mitchell in terms of lyrics, and I will get more on the Joni My Mitchell comparison king. later. My, the OG sad I girl. I um, love her. So then you will love the song The Lucky One. Anyway, but most of the criticism of, like, what people, like, have found of Red and the reason why, like, it didn't end up winning a Grammy and why it was snubbed, anyway, was that people couldn't get over, like, defining it as like what genre it was because like big red machine which is the bad label the bad guys but like who owned taylor swift at the time said that it was country but then like everyone's like oh it's actually more pop like speak now was like totering on it's not country it's not country um and it's like toting on the edge like speak now was toting on the edge of being pop like i would argue that speak now isn't even that country but also like i'm not a country stan um and then that was kind of its critical downfall and the reason why it was like hit and also like a lot of this criticism being like what genre it was kind of like forced Taylor Swift to go down or like okay I'll stick to one genre route and that was um 1989 so this like hate that Red got critically in terms of its genre and talking about it exes kind of like stopped her from doing anything like folklore and evermore for a while but anyway um now let's talk about the songwriting process because this is where we get Joni Mitchell a little bit but also everything and kind of explains why it's kind of so incoherent as an album which I think is one of its great strengths but anyway um, but basically, she had started writing an album during her Speak Now tour. Um, Speak Now, famously, she wrote without any co-writers to prove that she did write her own songs, and it's really good. But she found, like, herself that she was stifled creativ- creatively by only working with herself. So she decided to work with um, a different people, not Jack Antonoff, unfortunately. Jack Antonoff did not this come into the scene until 1989. This is pre-Jack. Um, that she basically, what she would do, she would write the lyrics soon with, like, one collaborator, um, a guy called Chapman who was quite well known um, at the time and then when she wrote the demos and everything so she would have the acoustics and this is kind of how she writes a lot of her songs then she would find the producers so if you listen to the album as a whole most of the lyrics they all sound quite similar but then you ha- you get like something like 22 I knew you were trouble stay 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 and all too well um, and the reason is she would play the songs to different producers and they would like have this idea so Max Martin did like who was like the massive pop who was with all the mainstream pop girlies at the time produced a lot of the like pop heavy ones um and then like her speak now producers did stuff like state of grace and holy ground um so she purposely made the decision for it to not be a cohesive production sound i like that which i like um because i think one of the and i'll discuss this a bit more later when i discuss like my own personal feelings um but i think it being cohesive perfectly matches Hello? Wait, what's the... My laptop says the time every hour. Anyway, (laughs) we'll move on then and get over that. Um, uh, Like, I think the idea of, like, the album is for it to be, like, about a messy and, like, the confusing growing pains and your wild emotional range. And I think having different productions that all sound a bit different really adds to that. Yeah, and I think, like, Um, your early 20s is a very volatile time of your life emotionally. And I think... Yeah. Fuck concept album... Your early 20s uh, are kind of wacky. 
I wanted to say yeah, something like more the profound, fi- but kind of wacky words. Yeah, and like the feeling of red, you know, it's all over yeah. the place. Um, of being red, which is like kind of what this whole album is. Yeah. Um, also, tips off to Taylor, I just want to give her a little credit. Um, because she is quite a creative genius. She was the soul writer of 10 of these songs and co-wrote the other six. Um, and some of the songs she co-wrote was just because someone was featuring on that album, um, that song. Um, and as I said, her biggest lyrical inspiration was Joni Mitchell. And this album lyrically by like Billboard, the Rolling Stones was compared to the album Blue by Joni Mitchell a lot. And I like the, um, I like I'm the assuming color. you're. I don't know if that was on purpose. Was yes. That on purpose? Oh. Yeah. Not, it was never confirmed, but it kind of like was like, yeah, because if you look at the album cover of Blue, which is like, I th- um, Joni Mitchell's looking down right, whereas if you look at the album cover of Red, Taylor is looking down so left. So they're like looking, um, well, they're not looking at each other, they're looking at like a shared spot on the floor. Yeah, yeah. like, yeah, exactly, like a shared spot on the floor. Their faces are both kind of covered, except Taylor Swift is like wearing the hipster like style that was popular at yeah, the time. Like- Oh my god, it is raining. Anyway, sorry about all this background noise. Um, and to the point where Taylor Swift has been quite open that Joni Mitchell is one of her biggest inspirations, specifically. Okay, I'm closing the window. Hold up, this is getting hear, intense. I can't hear anything. I will be back. Um, she's quite open that one of her biggest inspirations, especially from country to pop, is like Shania Twain. But in terms of like her sad songs, it's Joni Mitchell. Yeah. I mean, um, and this. Checks out. Yeah. Yeah. Also, if you listen to like any of Joni Mitchell's, it makes you cry, just like most of Red. Um, the song Lucky One as well is about a someone who was really cool, kind of just like Taylor in terms of like what she wrote at the beginning, um, becoming really famous, realized LA was toxic, and then moved into an apartment over Madison Square Garden, and that is basically Joni Mitchell. Um, so while she's never confirmed, it's like everyone is kind of like, agrees that it's about Mitchell. Um, so yeah. That's the making Thank of this you for album. Thank you about the Joni um, Mitchell. I've, that gives me such a new angle for which to listen to this album. It, it, I am a Joni stan, and of course Taylor is. That girl is so sad and dramatic. Um, but I'm also going to talk about Red and Tabs. It's, it's a transition album. It's like a transition from country to rock, um, but also it's like the massive difference between Speak Now, which was talking about tropes, like the titular song Speak Now was about like, breaking a wedding and running running away with a groom like it's very a fairy tale Romeo and Juliet thing whereas like Taylor's like Red you can tell that like Taylor got into her first like toxic relationship or like had sex or something because it talked about all the dark twisted things of love and this everything is Taylor Swift's um, which I thought was funny <laughs> this it literally is literally, literally. <laughs> Jake Gyllenhaal although Virginia anyway. is a construct <laughs> It's a construct, but, if it wasn't but a construct, of course Taylor Swift romanticized it. This would be the album for said construct. This would be the mm. album, exactly. Um, and so it was transition in age, transition in like her fame as well. Like this is this is also when like she's first started getting criticism on how she portrayed all of her yeah, ex boyfriends. I feel like I remember, like I listened like as a kid to kind of her album albums before Red, and I think. I mm-hmm. had a very like active rejection of Taylor Swift around the red point in time and I think part of that was because puberty gave me an individuality complex and part of that was because like yep. the conversation about Taylor Swift changed a lot from like Pop's sweetheart and I also remember like her getting compared to Britney Spears a lot as in like she's like you know everything Britney Spears isn't in the best way possible like she doesn't do drugs and she's like a straight-laced country girl yay for her and then I think it kind yeah. of changed to this like oh she's secretly the worst person in the world discourse around the time of Red. yeah she's yeah. so manipulative she's just using all these yeah, boys in her thing playing the yeah. victim blah 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 and I think I definitely um, did not like was not enough grasped on the concepts of feminism to reject that and I totally rode that Taylor Swift hater bandwagon at the time yeah for sure and also like at that time as well like that's not your like fault it like it all kind of existed in a vacuum you had like articles like I don't know like the Mary Sue like 
online magazine where basically feminism was like rejecting femininity and hating on any like women who like played to that and like you know feminism was hating the other girls at that time like that was popular yeah and I also think like a lot Um, of my feminism at the time was adopted directly from my mom and she was like I don't want to say she's second wave because I think that implies that she's a rad femme which she's not but I think she was very much like makeup and boys and stuff is not feminism and I think like that definitely also like impacted how I kind of reacted to artists like Taylor Swift Mm -hmm. so true building on that like how you saw Taylor Swift at your time and you can talk about this album like you can answer this question from your perspective now or from your perspective then um what is your relationship with Red? Um, I was very much on the Taylor Swift hate train at the time that Red came out. And so I think I heard, mm-hmm. like, all the big tracks, um, like, as I mentioned before, 22 and I Knew You Were Trouble and, like, those ones and We Are Never Getting Back Together. I think I definitely, like, heard at the time because they were on the radio. Um, yeah. And then, like, I didn't really think about it all that much. And then when I was in year 12, I got invited to a Taylor Swift concert really last minute. Was this yeah, the Reputation Stadium? Stadium? My friend. You yeah. went to Reputation Stadium yeah. tour, um, not me. Sorry. Oh. My friend was going and the person she was going with got, I think, food poisoning like 24 hours before the concert. And so like 24 hours before the concert, she was like, hey, do you want to, after school today, drive to Sydney with me and go to see Taylor Swift? For free. Hell yeah. And I was like, I was like, Hell obviously. Yeah. Um, but then I was like a little stressed because I hadn't been like keeping up with Taylor Swift. And so I, the mm-hmm. whole three and a half hour drive to Sydney, I listened to Taylor Swift songs and then I went to the tour. And then ever since I've been a, a Swifty, so to speak. And so now yeah. I listen to Red. You know, I, I think I, like, have listened to it back to front a, a number of times mm-hmm. and I know, like, the words to the, all the all the kind of big songs. But not just, like, the, the three that kind yeah. of charted, but, like, you know, like, All Too Well and um, State of Grace and stuff yeah. like that as well. And now I like it a lot. Yeah. I, do, I do, of course, wish I had a bit more nostalgia associated with it. And I don't think it's my favorite Taylor Swift album, um, mm-hmm. but yeah. I do love it a lot. Yeah. Well, it is infamously my favorite Taylor Swift album. <laughs> when I say infamously, as in like I shove it down everyone's throats, which is why you're getting this episode today. Um, so can I talk about my relationship with this? <laughs> this is why we're here. Thank you. Oh, yeah, true, true. Okay, so... Th- the as like a little like a poor kid I will say um I couldn't afford like I didn't get pocket money often but then when I got like I think it was Christmas and then my pa gave me $25 and I was like oh my god I am rich and then I think it was somewhere around that time I don't know how I got money but I did but it was when um the deluxe Mm. version of Red came out and of course I like knew the song so I went and I bought it and so Red is like the deluxe version is the first album I've ever bought that's pretty so it has cute. that attachment. It's like that's like, it is very cute. Taylor, if you're ever listening, Taylor Nation, so I can get invited to a secret session. I am that invested. Anyway, um, so I've always loved it in terms of that and that emotional attachment. It was also, I didn't really get into the massive hate, hating Taylor Swift phase. I just, I think I just felt like I grew out of her, and then I noticed everyone else was hating her, and I was like, oh okay, I'm not that invested. But I grew out a bit, and then Reputation came back, and I was like, Reputation yeah, was okay because it's been such like such a three- fucking good album. It was it I it's not my favorite, but I did like it anyway. Sorry, so I, yeah. I just think I I think <laughs> so that's good. the one I'm most attached to because it. of the Reputation Stadium tour, um, which I went to. Yeah, in case I didn't mention that is from. <laughs> in case you didn't mention it um but I re-listened to Red when um last year when I first came back when lockdown the first time and I first came back home and I was like a bit of a mess because I was like 
I ended so many friendships. Well, I didn't end so much friendships, but like <laughs> I broke up with a boy, <laughs> lol, to move to Melbourne. I like it was gonna be my dream. It was gonna like have this moment, and now I'm stuck at home. Similar vibe. I mean, I'm doing better now because like I've accepted it. But like in sense that I re-listened to Red for the nostalgia factor. Factor. But then I was like not similar age to Taylor Swift, but I was going through a similar transition period, and so it just matched my feelings perfectly. And that's kind of like why I now hold Red up. I know I'm, I recognize that saying melodrama and red are like the same album is controversial and false, but like for it me, it is a little bit of a spicy take. It, no, but I'm I, not saying it's I get the what same you album. Mean. I'm saying I, get, I feel like it's the same, like they're talking about the same kind of period of their life. Yeah. If I am trend, like when I'm in like a life sucks era, I will either put on melodrama or red. I recognize them the two very different albums. Like they're not the exact same. Like I'm as in terms of like the level of emotional heartache um, I get from both of them. And it's same with the Punisher from Phoebe Bridges. So those are like that's the a three albums trio. to go to. Pardon? That is that, that's that trio will do spicy things to your heart. It, oh, it did. Um, and it does. Um, and I don't know. I think at that particular time and now when I listen to it, the whole incoherency of it and, like, the main criticisms of, like, the pe- pettiness to the exes, the, like, heartbreaking, thinking, like, everyone hates me and, like, going from messy and heartbroken to being, like, a party girl but focusing on the lyrics too much and everything is, like, I think why I loved it so much. Um, and I've yet to experience that, like, heart fall to my stomach like feeling than I do like I listen to it I find it very rarely I think there are like five albums which I experience it with and then like the other one is also a Taylor Swift album um yeah I feel like I have a couple albums that I put on when I want to force myself to feel things yes is Red one of those albums for you Red is that album for yeah Red is one of them especially since I'm a massive lyrics person so like I always like delve into the lyrics and let that hit me um I think it's also like Red is the fan favorite so like oh it's a lot of Swifties favorites um it also has what most people considered before Folkmore so Folklore and Evermore I'm just gonna refer to as Folkmore came out um and that is All Too Well um which what a fucking song what a fucking song and also like as like a capsule it represented like everything like people like Taylor fans loved about Taylor like it had the famous track 5 for those of you who don't know every single album there is a song in the track 5 and that's the most emotional and personal song to Taylor so like all too well was the track 5 for this my tears ricochet is like the track 5 for folklore um i didn't know I, this or yeah like the, the track 5 all you had to do was stay was the 1989 track 5 tolerated on evermore was reputation um, I think it's, yeah, Delicate for Reputation because that's about yeah. um, her long-term boyfriend. It's a very um, sweet song. It is such a sweet song. Um, yeah, and I also think why it is also loved is if you are a massive fan of Folklore and Evermore, then you tend to also be a massive fa- fan of Red because lyrically it is seen as, like, the younger sibling of, like, specifically Evermore. Um and I looks like the last time is basically like walked so exile could run. And that's with Gary Light, buddy. Um, All Too Well is Baby My Tears Ricochet. The Lucky One is like very similar to Dorothea and Miss American Dynasty. And the fact, and even Starlight in terms of lyrics about like how it's telling a story about someone else in a different time. And yet yeah. still somehow has an attachment to Taylor. Um, and all of her slow songs, like Sad, Beautiful and Tragic could like fit into Evermore. Um, I found this like summary because I was reading a lot of critical reviews and um, this one was from Billboard when they did like a revised review. They did that in 2017, I think, when Reputation just came out because everyone was just like, it was good, but I missed the old Taylor. Um, But someone wrote this. "Um, I didn't know that I needed red as urgently as I did, that I needed all those big, bright, empathetic swells of feelings. And it feels a little bit dramatic even to use the vocabulary of need to talk about what is, after all, just a pop record. But I did. I needed it. I was young and lost, and the world seems like an inhospitable place for someone who felt things so deeply. In other words, this is an album for the Cancer Moons. Um, and I'm, and yeah. my whole chart is Cancer, so it's an album for me. Yeah, Red is for you. Actually, um, I Taylor don't think my is moon is in Cancer. Wait. Oh, Let okay. Me well, but uh, so many other things are. There is. So. There seem to be a take where, like, if I meet... Swift. I mean, a lot of the Cancer Moons I've met like Taylor Swift, and I think it's just like that emotional feeling. But Red t- seems to be the top rated, and I just think that's important. 
I um, really need to... Oh, no, I'm a Libra moon. Libra moon. Okay. But my Mercury, you my are Sun, and Venus are all in Cancer. Yeah, you are a massive Cancer. Like, and I mean I, that in the best way. I, I mean, I just have a lot of feelings yeah. about most things. Yeah. AKA massive Cancer. AKA um, massive Cancer. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to talk about... I do have a top five and I'm going to like kind of venture out of that top five, but I will, I'm not going to talk about every single song on this album. I'm just going to talk about for the ones that I think you guys should listen to. Um, so the opening track is state of grace, which is, I think Taylor does opening tracks really well. Not in the sense that they're like really good, like songs on their own, but in terms of like how they encapsulate how this album's going to be. She's really good at that. Um, And I think state of grace does that because the bridge Holy, this is also where, like, Taylor Swift got, like, the reputation, hello, oh, reputation, um, of having really good bridges. And let me just read out some lyrics to you. Um, and it has, I wouldn't say it's a rock production, but it's very, like, I guess country rock um, production. Have you listened to State of Grace? Have? I, yeah, you have, have you? I mean, yes. I mm-hmm. don't know it off the top of my head. Like, I couldn't sing it out loud if you asked me That's to. okay. But, like, would you say it's a country rock production? I would say it's got some country vibes. Yeah, I just, like, because it's, like, a bit of a... I wouldn't call it rock, but, like, it uses heavily on guitar. Um, <laughs> I'm really great at this, like, genre thing. Yeah, man. Um, Pitchfork anyway. is mere seconds away from hiring you. Yeah. So this is the bridge. Well, these are two different verses. This is the second verse and the bridge. Um, you come around and the armor falls, pierce the room like a cannonball. Now we all know is don't let go. We are alone, just you and me. Up in your room and our slates are clean. Just twin fire signs, four blue eyes. So you were never a saint and I loved in shades of wrong. We learned to live with the pain, mosaic broken hearts. But this love is brave and wild. And all I'm going to say is just hit me. Like- it's a beautiful bridge. <laughs> it's beautiful. I love it. And I, this is where she got the reputation as I said of like really good bridges this one is also about Jake Gyllenhaal um most of this album is and most of the heartbreaking ones are so that's one song from Red I think you should listen to I'm not going to mention any of her singles you've all listened to them um the next song which is number three on the album is a song called Treacherous it's a bit of a slow burn song and it gets really big at the ends but I love it I will I guess talking about the bridge because I think that's the um, most famous part of most of red. Um, and it goes two headlights shine through the sleepless night and I will get you and get you alone. Your name has echoed through my mind. And I think you should think you should know. (laughs) I hate when it like reading out those lyrics when they repeat that nothing safe is worth the drive. And I will follow you, follow you home. A little quirky stalking moment. (laughs) I will follow you, follow you home. Um, that doesn't do justice. Actually, I think the first verse is probably the best one to do justice. Um, for this song, but I do love this song. Have, do you I like do. I feel Please like say yes. this is kind of a, more of a general comment, but I feel like Taylor does like sadness, especially like breakup sadness in a very accessible way. Like I love how yes. disinterested she is in being esoteric. Mm-hmm. Um, and I feel like the universality of the way she talks like can kind of on one hand be like oh taylor swift is very basic and on the other hand it's like just feels very powerful to have someone write about like these experiences in such a like universal way yeah no i think it's i mean i'm all for listening to pretentious sad music like i do love that. that Evermore is also, like, now my favourite Taylor Swift album, and that's, like, arguably her most pretentious in terms of, like, the lyrics, I'd say, um, and, like, the different literary references, like, Ivy's about Emily Dickinson's love affair, yeah. like, you know. So it's pretentious in that sense, but I think Red, you know, she's a 19-year-old who just, like, wants to talk about her feelings, and I don't think you need a thesaurus necessarily no. to write that. Yeah, yeah. No, anyway, I'm going to quickly rush because I've talked Sorry. about Taylor Swift for so long, but... I can't, no, 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 it's fine, it's my fault. I can't talk about Red and not talk about All Too Well, which is her track five. All Too Well, I'd say, is her saddest song before Folkmore, 
Um, well, like famously, it's like the Swifties fave. Um, Harvey, I know you know it all too well. Are you going to read out the whole bridge? This is, song is also about Jake Gyllenhaal. Um, and I think that's important to know because where's her fucking scarf? Okay. Um, okay. <laughs> so here we go. Okay. And maybe we got lost in translation. Maybe I asked for too much, but maybe this thing was a masterpiece till you tore it all up. Running scared. I was there. I remember it all too well. That's important to notice that she sings well in a really emotionally haunting way. And I just think you need to remember that. And you call me up again just to break me like a promise. So casually cruel in the name of being honest. I'm a crumbled up piece of paper lying here because I remembered it all, all, all too well. Um, and I'm also going to mention these other two lines because they also kill me. Time won't fly. It's like I'm paralyzed by it. I'd like to be my old self again, but I'm still trying to find it. Um, just just daggers from Taylor. Literally. I too. Lyrical want, daggers. Literally, literally daggers. Literally dying. When she's... Like, for some reason, like, I think also the bridge, I think it's important to note for those who haven't listened to or to- too well, one, change that. Two, she is kind of screaming this. Um, well, not screaming it, but it's, like, emotionally built. But then she says really quietly, I'd like to be my old self again, and I'm still trying to find it. And that part just makes me cry and crumple. The vulnerability of it, man. Yeah. I feel like that, like, anger paired with just, like, feeling very, like, worthless and vulnerable is just... You know, that's just breakups, man. Yeah, literally. And it's, it's, oh, she, she hit it. I can't even talk about this song without feeling being invoked. This is like, she mentioned sex in it. Anyway, that's massive for her. Taylor. I know. Um, okay. So I'm going to quickly, I'm not going to talk about stay, stay, stay that often, but, um, there's rumors that it's about the Kennedy that she dated for a hot minute. Cause she dated, she dated a Kennedy. Yeah. After Jake Gyllenhaal, she dated a Kennedy. She's when I say she's American royalty, I don't know. I don't know. It was Connor Kennedy. It will like happen for a moment. But anyway, the next song is the last time. And this is one of the, my favorite songs on red. And I feel like everyone should listen to it. If you liked exile, you'll like the last time. It's like similar deep voice starts off with it. Um, it's literally just like about the turmoils of like, going keeping on going back to a toxic relationship but it's told from the boys and the girls perspective well in a heteronormative toxic relationship a heterosexual um toxic relationship because it goes from the man and the woman's perspective it's also I listen to this one that much listen to it i love it it's in my top 20 taylor swift songs um and i have a top 20 taylor swift album the next song i want to talk about is holy ground um i feel like the song i th- i'd say this is her second best song on the album after all too well. After all too well, I put holy ground. It's I, I think it's actually about Joe I Jonas, that. but it's about um this album like a song like looking back on a relationship that you used to be really heartbroken by and realizing that it was actually like a really good time and like it was fun and I'm grateful for it. Um and I just think that's kind of cute good perspective. It's so much and I fun. I also think it's like nice to have it in there with all the other really really big feeling songs. Yeah. And it's, I don't, and also like there are still some feelings about it. She does a really good version of this um, when she was touring Lover. Well, not touring, when she was like promoting Lover. She did like an acoustic version. It was so beautiful. Um, and I just think it's the most, one of her most underrated songs. Um, Sad, Beautiful, Tragic is the one that comes after it. And it's just like talking about like, it was, you know, when you romanticize like sadness, that's kind of what this is. Like, isn't it kind of beautiful to be this sad? And to be like, is that happy? <laughs> That's this song. I'm such a tragic little bitch. <laughs> I really am. Anyway. <laughs> um, yeah, and I just, that's also one of my top five. The next song that I'm going to talk about, like, it's just going to be the last one. Um, it's the lucky one. This one is about, as I said earlier, Joni Mitchell. But it's got a line that became really famous on TikTok. Um, they tell you that you're lucky, but you're so confused because you don't feel pretty. You just feel used. Mm. yes good stuff good, good stuff. stuff from miss swift literally um, i have nothing bad to say i have nothing to say except that was mean and you should get my permission before you do something so mean um but anyway it was really not and i this is also one of my favorite songs um so yeah what i would recommend everyone listen to is state of grace treacherous all too well the last time Holy Ground, Sad, Beautiful, Tragic, and The Lucky One. The top three I will probably have at this moment. 
Um, my top threes always change. Is treacherous. Oh shit. No, I can't do this. No, I can't top three. Just listen oh, to all of them. <laughs> okay. We take it back. There is no top three. There is no top three. Um, my top three, thanks for asking. I was just is... about to. Okay. <laughs> Calm yes. down. Um, no, I actually don't know what my top three is. Okay, well then, thank we you for your We are never getting back together all too well in 22. <laughs> yeah. We are never getting back together. It's so much fun, though. And, like, it is. Yeah, no, those those aren't... I... No beef to those songs. I should make a joke, because I just honestly think people should listen to the whole album and make up their mind for themselves. Okay, yeah, I guess. But Top Song undoubtedly is all too well. I think that's Taylor Swift's best song. Really? After Folkmore? Uh, I mean, no, no, no. I'm like, I'm not saying that. I'm like, are you sure? Like, and it's just like, you're not one no, of those I, people that think Folkmore is above. No, I love. I'm definitely a Folkmore Swifty. Mm-hmm. Um, like that's definitely where I spend most of my time in the Taylor Swift discography, as yeah. well as Reputation because of my nostalgia for the Reputation tour that I went to. Yes. Did I mention that already? Yes, yes, shut up. And I'm okay. jealous. Um, Go away. <laughs> what was I going to say? But I do think, I think All Too Well is her best song. Yeah, I'm going to say it. Okay. I do support. I am always a track five person. So I will agree with you on that one. I mean, actually, I do prefer some songs on Folklore and Evermore, I think. But like, I think All Too Well is argue, you can argue that to be one of her best songs. So I will I not fight you on at that. At least, at least three yeah but yeah i can i do think there's a sophistication that comes with the folkmore era that can't be yeah. replicated i do think and i think this is why like you belong with me i did sneakily listen to old taylor's version once because i have to but, like there's something so raw about that like 20 year old like you broke me sort of like sadness which you can't really get in like for more when she is like matured and in the happy healthy like my tears ricochet is about a friend betraying you well probably about scooter braun really or carly Kloss betraying her um but like it's not as relatable because i didn't have my masters stolen from me um so <laughs> you know yeah mm. i think like anyway this is a bit of a tangent but i feel like we've talked a lot about like I think especially in our Lord episode, like, songs, that, like, albums that we can't relate to because we're just not at that stage of life yet. And I think Folklore is a very interesting perspective on that because I do find those albums very relatable in spite of the fact that they're, like, about her 30s. I know a part of Mm -hmm. that is, like, her kind of narrative tools and how a lot of these are just, like, tiny little short stories about people that aren't her. But I also think yeah. like, she has done a very good job of like not being dishonest to her own, like where she's at, but also writing songs that are like not inaccessible to people who are younger than her. Well, Betty itself is like about a 17 year old love and that like doing like, I don't know anything. I'm only 17. Like, and I think the idea of like the one, which is just about having a long last Think, looking back and I'm like kind of would have been nice if you know we didn't have to go through all the trauma breakup because like I probably would have been fine um you know she uses very relatable feelings and pins them like or uses a trope that we've seen before like illicit affairs is based off of conversations with friends um so that's like the idea of like having an affair is like a trope we've seen before we can relate to yeah. but what I was gonna say I think also like why red is so interesting is because it's so clearly her most personal album. Yeah. But I don't know. I just think, like, a lot of albums we consider in the perspective of, like, the age of the artist or a lot of art we can consider through the perspective of the age of the artist. And I feel like um, the Folkmore era is a really interesting kind of way to look at that. Chelsea, I've had a wonderful time. Thank you for teaching me some Thank stuff. Thank you. And I love, as always, to Anytime. talk about Taylor. I am always happy to talk about Taylor. I do talk about her at least three hours of my day. That's, that's quite um, a time commitment, so, my friend. 
Um, if for her, I would. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> um, so I'm great. I hope you guys all enjoyed it. I hope you understand why I'm going to be a mess on November 12th. Yeah, everyone um, yeah. sent messages to Chelsea on November 8th as to, you know, prepare her. I will not be okay. Um, I'm also, it comes out the day that I finish my exams. So it's going to be a wild 24 hours yeah. for me. It was also meant to be the day that I finished my degree. And that would have been, that would have been wild. Alas, I do have to do an extra semester. So that's not the case, but it's close enough. But it's close. Um, I'm just so yeah. excited for the Phoebe Bridges and Taylor Swift collab. And I'm so great. And I'm so jealous that you get to have that, like, as soon as and you finish. summer. And I'm going to be out of lockdown and I'm going to go to a pub. <gasps> It doesn't that just sound like the best thing? That literally, 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 the best thing. Literally, you. All right, bye. Bye, besties. Yeah,